fulfilled, they became what? Jed and his family became multi-millionaires, millionaires. And, and uh, if you think about it, though, they were actually millionaires before they found that out. They just didn't know it, did it? They just didn't know it. They just saw the hills of Tennessee. They didn't see what was underneath the ground, what was out of their sight. And, uh, and it's fascinating. Uh, they got to Beverly Hills, if you know the story. Uh, they, uh, they really didn't, uh, live up to what their blessings could afford them, uh, in terms of they, they still live a lot like what? Hillbillies in Tennessee, even after all that they've been blessed with. Now today we're going to be looking at a great blessing many of us have. Many of us have. That's far, worth far, far more than millions of dollars. Worth far more than that. And we're not living up to this new blessing as we should. It's called the blessing of salvation. The blessing of salvation. Uh, John 10.10, Jesus says this. He says, I am come. John 10.10 says this. Says, I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And we're not enjoying the abundant life that Jesus came to give us and to die to give us to the full. And part of the, one of the reasons is that we don't fully understand all that salvation has afforded us. Uh, let's look today. We're going to continue in Ephesians chapter six. Have a couple more messages on this. Uh, finish up the book of Ephesians in a couple of weeks. And Ephesians chapter six, we'll be looking again at verses 10 through 17. And it says here, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having dirty waste with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always in all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. But we're going to be focusing on one part of this passage, the first part of verse 17, and what? Take the helmet of salvation. So we've been spending a number of weeks on what? The battle that we end, the battle that we are all in, a spiritual battle, especially Christians, and the armor that we are to wear as a result. It's not a pleasant thought that we are in a battle throughout our life, but that's just reality. It's simply reality. And, uh, and we have to make sure what we've got the armor on. And it's a special kind of battle. It's not a physical battle. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us again, for we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's against Satan and his forces. So we need a special type of armor. We need a divine armor in this battle. We've already covered a number of pieces of this armor that we have. First of all, let's put on the belt of truth. Our enemies, Satan and his forces, love to work through what? Deception. Deception. The father of lies, Satan, is called. Therefore, how do you battle deception? With the truth. With the truth. Therefore, we must put on the belt of truth and also live lives of truth ourselves. 
Next, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, that it's not our righteousness that makes us acceptable before God. People think, well, I do a lot of good. And like, oh, it's not our righteousness. It has to be Jesus's righteousness that is imputed to us when we trust in him as Lord and Savior. And then as a result of that, in response to that, then we seek to live lives of righteousness. And then also talked about what the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then we need, we need to, as Christians, have our feet firmly planted on the gospel. That because of the gospel message, when we receive that, we have peace with God. And because we now have peace with God, we can have the peace of God. Even in the toughest, sickest circumstances we may face, we can have the peace of God. And also what? The gospel of peace, we're to take and spread it wherever we can go. We go out to help people be freed up from the hold of Satan in their and their forces. The last talked about taking up the shield of faith, that big shield to what? To be able to block the fiery darts of the evil and those horrible thoughts, maybe wicked thoughts that may send into our thoughts, along with thoughts of accusation and the like. And today we're going to be looking at taking up what? The helmet of salvation. Now, Roman helmets were to be put on when the battle began and were usually made of strong metal, such as bronze or iron. And uh, extremely, extremely important because if you get your brain damaged, amen, you're pretty well shot. You know, it doesn't matter how much armor you get on besides your, you know, if that gets damaged, you're in trouble. And, uh, and these things were so very heavy. Imagine that that big old piece of metal on your head be very uncomfortable. But they, even back then, they were able to pad it with a, such as sea sponges and then or felt or things like that to make it where at least was it at least it was bearable. The helmets, though, is fascinating. They weren't just protective, they're also decorative. We see here what the apple of some Roman shield back in those days. Now, Paul gets this thought of the helmet being the helmet of salvation. Where does he get that from? From the Lord, of course, but from the whole testament. And we see that in Isaiah. Isaiah 59, 17. This is talking about God being the warrior. For God put on the righteousness as a breastplate, and what the helmet of salvation. On his head, he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. So we see in Isaiah coming in the defense of his people, fighting for his people, the helmet of salvation, a helmet of victory. Now in Isaiah, though, it's what God is doing as the divine warrior. Now it's what God is giving us. He's giving us now the helmet of salvation. Now what does this mean, the helmet of salvation? And why do we need to put it on when the battle starts? Well, the helmet of salvation has to do with the assurance of salvation, the assurance, the confidence that comes from that. A guy was talking the other day, I was listening to a sermon, and, uh, and he talked about, you know, get, get a little six-year-old boy, eight-year-old boy, and, and you get out there on the football field, and you put a helmet on, all of a sudden they're like a missile. You know, they, they think they can go, they probably butt their head, go ahead and just charge into a brick wall. But then all of a sudden they get banged up a couple times, it may change a little bit. But what does it do? This helmet gives them confidence, does it? It can give them confidence. Now, Satan wants to, uh, well, excuse me, wants to attack our mind, our thinking, our confidence, attacking us with doubts about our salvation, what our salvation affords us. And what does salvation mean to most people? If you guys say you're saved, they say, oh yeah, I'm saved. What does that mean to you? And many people, it really comes down to basically this. Well, it means I'm not going to hell like I deserve. I'm going to heaven instead. Amen. 
And praise God, it does mean that. That's huge. That's a huge part of it, but it means what? A lot more than that. Salvation means a whole lot more than that. For one thing, it means justification. Justification. We who are guilty of sin are declared what? Not guilty by the judge of the universe. How can we be declared not guilty of breaking God's law when we are guilty? Because Jesus paid that price for us, amen? His son died on that cross in our place. And that's why we are declared not guilty even though we are guilty. He paid that debt for us. Also, we're adopted into the family of God. Adopted into the family of God once you're truly saved. We're God's truly one of God's children. And let me tell you, a lot of people get into genealogy and you know, I think it'd be kind of interesting, but I think some people want to find out maybe I'm part of royalty in the past and maybe that might make them feel better. You know, I could give a rip about that. You know why? How do you beat? How do you try to be, feel better because of that? How can you beat it? God is your father. Amen? <laughs> how, do you get, how do you beat that? If you're truly saying you've got God himself, the God of the universe, king over all, he is your father if you're truly, truly saved. We have forgiveness as well. We have forgiveness as well. Uh, a lot of people in psychiatric offices, psychiatrist offices, and psychologist offices because they, they just want forgiveness. They're looking for forgiveness somehow. And uh, let me tell you, the only way you can find that forgiveness is in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the only way you can find that forgiveness. And it's so beautiful when Satan comes at you with attacks, talking about what you've done in the past and accusing you, maybe what you did 40 years ago and beating you up. You know what I encourage you to do when that happens? And Satan will do that. Satan will do that. I encourage you when he starts to do that, say, Lord, I want to thank you again and praise you that you died on that cross to pay for that sin as well. And start praising him. He'll leave you alone when you start doing that. And then when you start praising him, what he says makes you turn into praise. He'll start leaving you alone. Also, maybe he beats you up about how you used to be in the past and before you were even saved. And then you go, Satan, wait a minute now. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's not even me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been regenerated. I'm a child of the living God. God's spirit dwells within me now. You have that. You know, and you're sitting there, the sin, and, and, and we all can still be tempted by sin, but we don't have to give in to it. We've got what? God's spirit on the inside of us to enable us to overcome that temptation to that sin. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6 tells us this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we see here aspects of salvation that are already present for you and me if Christians were made alive with Christ, spiritually alive, a new, new life in Christ, a relationship with Christ, raise us up with Christ, a spiritual resurrection we were dead spiritually and dying, what, dying to the old way of life, coming up in newness. Romans 6, 18 tells us this, having been now set free from sin, you now become slaves of righteousness. We've been united with Christ in his death and resurrection. And what beautiful picture of that today was what? The baptisms. As they went down, what? Dying to the old way of life, coming up in newness of life. That's what they represented. That's what they'd happened when they trusted in Jesus Christ. And it represents what they did today. It represents that. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Or do you not know as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus what were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were what buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should we also walk in the newness of life. 
And now what we're empowered by God's spirit to what? To live this victorious Christian life where we really start to become more and more like Christ. And I love it. What kind of power are we talking about here? Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. And I love this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is within us to enable us to live the kind of life Jesus has called us to live a victorious life over Satan and his forces, a victorious life over the sin nature that we have. And then I love it in Ephesians 2, 6. It says again, and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're seated with heavenly realms, exalted with him, now having what power and authority over Satan. We're above Satan, seated with Jesus Christ himself. No longer, we don't have to be controlled by Satan in any way, in any way anymore. In fact, all of our three enemies, y'all know what our three enemies are? Who they are? The world, which will try to pressure us to conform us to its image. We've overcome that through Jesus Christ. You overcome that through Jesus. You also had the flesh, that old sin nature we still struggle with. We just talked about what died. We've died to that in Christ Jesus. We've died to that. Buried with him, resurrected again a new life. We don't have to give to that old nature anymore. And praise God, victory over Satan and his forces as well. We're exalted far above them in the heavenly. We don't have to be controlled by any of those three enemies anymore. We were united with Christ, enthroned with him in his exaltation, seated with him in the heavenly places, as one put it, the supernatural realm where God reigns. And yes, there's a future aspect of this, but as saved, we are already right there in the heavenly realm in God's sight. In his eyes. Our eternity in heaven is totally. Let me tell you, folks, we're not trying to get citizenship in heaven. Amen. If you're truly saved, you're a citizen of heaven already. Amen. We just passing through down here. Praise God. Amen. We just passing through because this place is a mess. But one day we're going home. Amen. That citizenship is in heaven. And praise God for that. How blessed are we now? Ephesians 1, 3 tells us, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let me tell you, folks, we care in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, we can tell Satan and his forces to be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. And they have to listen if you're truly saved. In fact, I want to encourage you today, at times, at times, now Satan's always messing. Sometimes they'll pull back and then they'll come back and start attacking, messing with you. But let me tell you, sometimes it can get overwhelming. I've had a couple of times in the past, it gets overwhelming. Maybe you're in ministry and, and God's going to really be doing something and, and, and just Satan just, man, just comes with he and his forces in it. And you're having a hard time even praying. And, and I learned from Charles Stanley many years ago, many years ago, Charles Stanley, wonderful preacher. I learned this. He said, under those special times when it's just really, and you're even trying to pray and it's just not, you just, man, you're just having a rough time. Just confusion is just coming at you left and right. And, and he said, what can be very, very, very helpful to do in that time is out loud, because demons can't read your faults, out loud, say, any evil spirit, any spirit not of Jesus Christ, I order you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ right now. And let me tell you, I've done that. I have to, I have to do that a couple times in my life. And guess what? Those times, it worked. Amen. 
Because of what? It's not because of me. It's because of what? Christian. Amen. Carry the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the name of Jesus. Now, so each one of us here today that are saved, we've been elevated, even exalted to the heavenly places with Christ. But many of us are living like we're still in the heaven, excuse me, earthly places. We need instead to put on the salvation and start to see things as God sees things. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In fact, with the helmet of salvation, we can start putting on then the mind of Christ. And now we have the wisdom of God along with the discernment of God as well. But mind is what submitted to God, therefore under the control of God. And now then you can have your right mind. Remember the demoniac? Jesus came and sure, and, and there was a demoniac there. And, and this guy was just totally feel for him and just totally insane, possessed by man, just a myriad of demonic forces. And, and, and Jesus, uh, and this guy, in fact, we'd cut himself. He was so strong. He could break chains, they said, and this and that. And, you know, everybody just stayed away from him. He was lived among the tombs, among the dead. Everybody just stayed away from him. Authorities as well. Uh-uh, he ain't getting around this guy. He just couldn't capture this guy. He just, it was, man. Of course, Jesus, what? He delivered him. And what happens after he delivers him? It says in Mark 5, 15, and they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion, so many demons, sitting and clothed in his what? Right mind. And people were scared. You know, what in the world? How could somebody do this, deliver him from this? Let me tell you today, without Jesus, without having the mind of Christ, you don't think straight. I hope you understand that today. You don't think straight without having the mind of Christ. You know, uh, we talked last week about, you know, the natural man is, is the mind's polluted. The mind is very, very polluted. And uh, are we seeing that in our society? Oh my goodness. Is there a crazy thinking going on uh, in our society that is not right-minded? Amen. Absolutely true. Definitely not right-minded. And, uh, <clears throat> and people without Christ, they think crazy thoughts. And the sad thing is those crazy thoughts are being accepted in our, in, in our culture. Those crazy, crazy thoughts are being accepted in our culture. Not even accepted, but embraced, even celebrated, even celebrated. And why is that? The sin nature affects people's thinking. The sin nature will affect people's thinking. And the one in the world filled with sinful people wants to pressure you into what thinking as they think. Their perverted way of Thinking And behind the scenes, of course, is the great pervert of all, Satan himself. And he's driving all this. The great one wants to pervert the good things of God. Always wants to pervert, again, the good things of God. And again, the helmet of salvation gives us assurance, confidence. Ephesians 2.8 2, 8 tells us this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Awesome. Isn't it awesome? If you're truly saved today, if you're truly saved today, you can't lose that salvation. Isn't that awesome? You can't lose. Now, I don't wonder if I haven't been doing good. Uh -uh, you can't lose it. If you're truly, truly saved. Well, pastor, how do you know? Well, it's not just my opinion. Amen. Based on the word of Almighty God, it tells us one. 3.16, very simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what kind of life? Everlasting. So if it's everlasting, how would it be everlasting if you could lose it? Amen. Kind of a no-brainer. 
Also, John 6, 37 through 39 says this. All that the Father gives me, Jesus says, will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will be no means cast out. For I've not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of God who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone be able to snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Also, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 tells us this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then one last one, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, what will happen? He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he has started, once you're saved, what? He will finish. Amen? He will finish. Had a guy I worked with uh, <clears throat> years ago, many years ago at Sandy Cooper. Nice guy, kind of work friend. And uh, he believed you could lose your salvation. He definitely believed that. And uh, he was a leader and a uh, deacon, not a pastor. And we would have some talks about this. And uh, he actually believed, it goes beyond what others believe, that, wow, if you sin, right when you sin, you lost their salvation. And then until you ask for forgiveness, you were lost. And so it's like you're what? You're saved. And then you sin, you've lost it. Then forgive me. Now you're saved again. Then you sin. And then what? You're lost. And then forgive me. And you're saved again. That would drive you absolutely crazy if you tried to think that out. Amen. I think two things with him. One, I did like the guy. He's a very likable fella. But if he really believed that, he probably need to do a little better than he was doing. I knew him. <laughs> he probably need to do a little better than he was doing. And number two, I don't think he really understood the definition of all sin entails. You know, sin what? The sins of the thoughts. And we have tens of thousands of those thoughts today. Amen. And so all those perfect. Anybody, anybody here ever worry? Anybody here have a negative thought or thought you shouldn't have in those tens of thousands? Amen. And so how in the world are you going to keep up with all that? And every time you do that, you've lost your, you know, until you confess it, you, then you get it. It'd drive you absolutely, you'd go insane. You'd absolutely go insane. But praise God. Praise God. Christ Jesus, what? And you're truly saved. You cannot lose your salvation. May he discipline? Amen. He'll discipline you. Because he loves you to get you on the right track. But you will never lose your salvation. The helmet of salvation. You have the assurance of salvation. And then knowing the associated blessings of salvation, defeat the doubt Satan may attack us with about our salvation. Let me tell you what Satan loves to do. He loves to get people who aren't saved to think that they are saved. Man, we got a lot of them out there like that. A lot of them like that. I've talked to dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds like that. And what do you say? What well, do you think you're going to heaven? Oh, yeah. Why do you think you're going? Well, I'm a pretty good person. So they really think they're saved. But if that's what they're trusting in, are they going? No way. Not according to scripture. There's no way. So Satan's got them fooled thinking they are saved when they aren't saved. And there's multitudes of people out there like that. Man, there's multitudes. And then on the other hand, if you are truly saved, 
What is it? He changes his attack. What does he do then? As to get you to doubt your salvation. To doubt, to not have that confidence because you need that confidence to have victory in the battle that we are in. Now let's thank God for the present realities, the present blessings of salvation. But also let's be thankful for the future blessings that comes with salvation. Amen? The future blessings as well. First Thessalonians 5, 8 says this, but let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, what? The hope of salvation. That there's this hope of the future aspects of salvation. Now, what's going to occur one day if you're truly saved? When you see Jesus, what's going to happen? First John 3, 2, and I love this. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen? When we see Jesus one day, what will happen? We will be as he is. You know, just a little bit of theology here, a little bit of theology. There's three aspects, three parts when it comes to salvation. First one is you get saved, you're justified. Amen? You who are guilty declared not guilty. Amen? You're saved, adopted in the family of God, all these things happen. Right now, if you're saved today, you're like me, you're in the second part of salvation, and that's sanctification. You're becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus as you follow him. But then the last part of salvation is what? When we cross the other side or when Jesus comes back and we see him, what will happen? We will be as he is. We'll be in a glorified state. We will then really be like Jesus to the full. You know, sometimes we'll sit there and, and say, you know, maybe, Lord, I'm really not, you know, growing like I should, you know, this and that. And, and amen will change some of the things you're doing. But at the same time, we can look forward to that day, amen. Everything, that sin nature, all that's gone. And we'll really, truly, fully be like Jesus. You know, uh, you know the battle that we're in? And again, it's, it's a lifelong battle. Especially if you're saved, Satan's going to come against you. It can get discouraging. It can get discouraging. It can get old, get tired. See, our nation, our nation in its rapid descent into immorality. And it's not so much I knew it was heading this direction, it's just the, how rapid it is. It's, that's what has surprised me, how quickly it's going down, down and down. And then they see the pressure of the, of the world trying to conform Christians to their view of looking at things and, and how many in the church are capitulating to that. And it gets depressing. It gets depressing. And for those that are standing firm, praying hard and, and seeking to make a difference and, and, and you see it getting worse instead of better. And again, it can get discouraging. And trying to reach people with the gospel. And, and maybe you're one that you're, you've been praying for. And, and maybe you've been reaching out to with the love of Jesus. And you're not seeing any results. In fact, it seems, they seem to get worse further away than closer to Jesus. It can get discouraging. And then you do see some fruit. And you see some people coming to know Jesus as you, you share the gospel with them. And, and then, even then, you'll see some of those fall away. Fall away. And don't follow through in following Jesus. Meanwhile, the devil and his forces keep coming at you as you're doing all this in this battle, and they keep attacking you. It may be through sickness. It may be through fiery trials. It may be through all sorts of things, persecution and the like. 
And at times you may feel like giving up. At times you just may feel like just giving up. Sometimes it may seem like the devil's winning. Sometimes it may seem that way. Well, that's where the wonderful hope of salvation, the helmet of salvation comes in. I want you to know, Jesus, this is not to be unexpected what's going on. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, he warns us, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, will deceive many. You'll hear the wars and rumors of wars. You'll see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, kill you, and you'll be hauled, excuse me, hated by all nations for my sake. And then many will be offended and, and betray one another and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawless abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. When the devil tells you to give up throwing the towel that your Christianity is not working, the answer is what our hope, our wonderful hope in Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. Wonderful theologian Charles Hodge said that which enables him to hold up his head with confidence and joy is the fact that he is saved. And another adds that he knows his salvation will be perfected in the end. And yes, amen, it can be tough down here. Can I hear amen? It can be very, very tough down here and it can continue. And you think maybe things will get better and it actually gets worse instead of better. And I've seen that time and again. And Paul tells us so when that happens. He tells us this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And I'll get this now. This is Paul now. If you think you're suffering, go see what Paul went through. <laughs> and this is Paul saying this. He said, but our light affliction, light affliction, what you talking about light affliction? My goodness gracious, what I'm going to pass you, you don't know what I'm, it couldn't be called light affliction. Well, again, compare what you're going through, what Paul went through. How could he call it light affliction? Well, he's doing a comparison. In comparison to, and we'll see that in a minute, it's light. Which is but for a moment. Say, so, moment, pastor, it's been going on for years, what I've been going through. In fact, it's getting worse than a better years and years and years. Look, what in the world are you talking about? But for a moment, he says, it's working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And we do not look at the things which are not seen in verse 18. But at the things which are seen, the things which are not, excuse me, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. All this is temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, I told this about, I was talking about this passage one day, and a guy, Sandy Cooper, this many years ago, he got mad at me. What's he talking about? The things, you know, that, that the, the fictions are liked. What are you talking about? He didn't like this at all. He didn't like it at all. And again, in comparison to what? The eternal weight of glory. It is light. Amen. Look at what awaits us. Look at what awaits us in comparison. Do the comparison. Yeah, it's hard. It's extremely hard. But man, the comparison is, is so light. You know, you put it on a little scale. What? It goes straight up because, you know, the, the light thing is, just goes up. because it, it, You can tell the eternal weight of glory is so much more. No comparison. This, even if it lasts a long time, years, even decades, 
What's that in comparison to eternity? What is that in comparison to eternity? If it went on for 80 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, what is that in comparison to eternity? Anybody know your math from the eighth grade? Anybody know when you put 1,000 over infinity, what does that equal? Zero. Y'all remember that? I just kind of wanted to put, leave that alone out of school. Amen. You know, <laughs> I enjoy things like that. Yeah, I'm different. You know, being an engineer type. You know, but anything, anything over infinity, I should have put it on the board. You know, I should have put it on the screen. Anything, even if it's a million years over infinity, what does it do? Zero. Amen? Zero. I'm talking about eternity versus maybe 100 years. I'm, I'm sorry if you suffer, but my, you need to think about what awaits you. What awaits you. Even Jesus relied upon this hope. Even he relied upon this hope. Here Jesus was what facing what? This rejection by his own people, the sins of the world being thrust upon him, horrible, terrible death on the cross at Calvary, all hell coming against him, all hell definitely coming against Jesus, far more than what we experience. He's facing separation from, his God, from God the Father on the cross, how was he able to go through all this? It was Jesus. It wasn't a problem for Jesus. Well, it sure seemed like it in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't it? And it was hard. What Jesus, he knew what he was facing. Boy, it was hard. Sweat and drops of blood. I don't think you've ever gotten that stressed, have you? Sweat and drops of blood. How did he get through this? Well, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for what? The joy set before him the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross despising the shame as sat down now at the right hand of the throne of god jesus kept his eyes on the joy that awaited him set before him and for all his enemies and may we follow our lord's example amen may we follow our lord's example Number of years ago, a good number of years ago now, uh, Doris and I were at a movie theater, and we were watching a movie called Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man, very good movie, inspirational. I encourage you to see it. And uh, Russell Crowe was the main actor, and uh, he was playing a, a man. It was based on a true story. James Braddock. James Braddock was a, a fighter, like a boxer in the back Depression era, and uh, and he was a good fighter, but he had kind of a, a limit. He limit, it was somewhat limited because he was real big just with his right hand. He had a good right hand. But his left, he hardly used at all. So Jesse is kind of wasted over there. He just kind of mainly depended on his right hand. One day he broke that hand. He broke that hand and couldn't fight anymore. Had a family to feed. So he started, went down to the, to the docks and, and got some work there. But here he had a broken hand, so he had to just kind of had to hide that and just do what he could. And, 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 so, and then he'd only get limited work, so they were struggling getting, you know, getting through and getting by. And, and, but he just kept plugging away. He kept plugging away. He's going to take care of his family. He's going to take care of his family. And, uh, and then lo and behold, after a good while, a good, good, good while, uh, the hand started healing up. And then he got an offer. He got an offer uh, to, uh, to fill in, to fill in and, uh, for a big fight. Somebody had dropped out, so he said, could you just be a fill-in? So his wife didn't do it, but they needed the money, so he went ahead and did it. 
And lo and behold, this guy was like a number three ranked heavyweight, and he beat him, knocked him out. And, and, and lo and behold, he started fighting more. His wife didn't want to, but they, again, they needed the money. And he started fighting more and, and started winning every fight. And what it was, he started now being able to use his left hand too. You know, he was, he was a better fighter. He was a better fighter. And finally, he got so good and, and they decided that, okay, he's now going to face the heavyweight championship of the world, Max Bear. Max Bear. And Max Bear was no for man. He was like the Mike Tyson in terms of power back in that day. Bigger than Mike Tyson in terms of height and everything. But in fact, as I remember, he had killed a man in the ring. So powerful were his punches. And, uh, and his wife was scared to death. And here he's going to face him. And of course, they set it up. And in fact, they actually, the one who orchestrated the fight, made him come in and watch Max Bear. This back in 20s and 30s, so he had to watch a film. And he said, I wanted you to see this before you fight him because I want you to know what you're facing beforehand. You, need, you can back out. You can back out. He was that powerful. And so everybody, I mean, he was, his wife was scared to death. Everybody else was scared to death for him. Huge underdog. I mean, a huge underdog. And you know who else was really, really nervous? My wife. Man, she was, she was I mean, she was bothered. They really did a great job building it up. I mean, she was like, What's going to happen? But, you know, and she was, I mean, here I went, she was scared to death. And however, I had some, I like boxing, watching it, not doing it. I mean, it hurts when you do it. Uh, I like watching it. And, and I knew the history of what happened. I said, Cat, call her Cat, don't worry. I said, Know what's going to happen, and we're okay. You know, we're okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. So she said, at least, you know, not hyperventilators. You know, she was worried what was going to happen. And then lo and behold, lo and behold, and I knew this, he won. It's a very inspirational story. He won the, the heavyweight championship. And you know who Max Bear, you know who his son was? Jethro on the Beverly Hillbillies in real life. It's fascinating. Kind of interesting little tie there today. And he won 10 to 1, one of the great upsets in history, one of the great hit in the history of boxing. And he won. And the reason, though, I was able to be relaxed and my wife wasn't relaxed, what? I knew the end of the story, amen? I knew the end of the story. A lot of drama, a lot of hard things that he went through, but man, did it end well, amen? And I knew the end of the story. You know, uh, I could tell her it'd be okay, again, because I knew the end of the story. And today, as Christians, we go through tough times, amen? And it can get really hard. We go through different situations as we go through life. We go through some tough situations, amen? And you may think yours is bad, but if you really got into these service, you might be saying, wow, wow, theirs is even worse. Theirs is even worse. And it can get really, really troubling. It can even get depressing. But praise God, we know the end of the story, amen? Amen? We know the end of the story. We win, and what are we facing when we cross the other side? The eternal weight of glory, the glory of God, and the presence of this one who died for you and me. And let me tell you, folks, I've experienced some wonderful things on this earth. Grandkids are right up there high, but far above that is experiencing the presence of Almighty God. There's nothing like the presence of God and being directly in his presence, this one who died for you and for me. Oh, what joy awaits us. Joy unspeakable. 
Joy unspeakable awaits us. So when you face those fiery trials and things look discouraging, maybe you want to give up, make sure you have on that helmet of salvation. Knowing one, your salvation is secure if you're truly saved and choose to look to that hope of glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful helmet of salvation that you've given us to wear. Father, there may be someone here today that they can't put it on. They can't put it on the helmet of salvation because they're not truly saved. Maybe they've been trusting in their words to make, think that they're, they're going to be saved. Father, if there's someone in here today that's never truly trusted in Jesus Christ, received the wonderful gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. If there's someone in here who's not done that, will you not help them to do that today? Just right now, if you've never done that, or if you're not sure, let me explain. You need to understand you're a sinner and you need a savior. You need to understand that you can't make it to heaven on your own. You've sinned against God multitudes of times and you deserve not heaven, you deserve hell. You can't go to heaven as you are. Heaven's a perfect place and you'd mess it up if you went as you are. And you have to turn from trust you could somehow make it to heaven on your own and turn and trust in someone and that someone is Jesus. That Jesus Christ he died on that cross to pay for your sins. See, our God's a righteous judge. He can't just let sin go. There has to be payment for that sin, that law breaking. There has to be payment or he wouldn't be a righteous judge if there didn't have to be that payment. And the wages for sin is death. So you face death because of your sin, eternal death. There was only one who could pay it though. And that's Jesus Christ who had no sin to pay for and left the glory of heaven, came and lived a sinless, perfect life and died on that cross to pay for our sins, to pay it in full. He died in our place on that cross. How do we know the righteous judge God accepted that? Because his son, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead is at the right hand of the Father, never to die again. And he received this wonderful gift of salvation when you turn from trusting in you trying to make it to heaven on your own and turn and trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation. But not just with your head, but with your heart. And you'll know if you've trusted with your heart and it's got to be with your heart when you really start to truly follow Jesus. Because if you truly are truly born again, if you're truly saved, you're a new creation and God's in you both to will and to do of his good work, his good pleasure. So if you're not really seeking to follow Jesus, have you truly done it with your heart? And just a little bow, the hymn of invitation. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior with your heart, or maybe you're not sure, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. But right now, for the rest of us that are truly saved, Lord, I just want to thank you so much for the helmet of salvation. Lord, I want to thank you so much. I, oh, Lord, my before and after, I was so anxious, young man, and so scared of dying. And I used to think I was a pretty good person. 
And Lord, then you started to show me who I really was and started drawing me into yourself. And, and Lord, I just thank you that day at Fifth Lord Sandy Cooper, where I finally understood that Jesus Christ died on that cross for me personally. And Lord, thank you I had a peace that came on me like I didn't know existed. And Lord, I thank you I've never been the same since. I just want to thank you and praise you for what salvation has given me, a peace I didn't know existed. Lord, I just thank you for that. And yes, I do worry, but just amazing the difference. Amazing the difference. And Lord, thank you for this helmet of salvation, Lord, that we don't have to give in to sin anymore. Lord, help us to realize any sinful habit we have as a Christian the only reason we have it is we're allowing it to remain in our lives. The word of God says we're dead to sin. We're having this new life in Christ. We have victory over it. We don't have to have any sinful habit to remain in our life. Yes, we'll still sin, but we don't have to have a habit in our life. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you we're adopted into the family of God. Where you, the God of the universe, is our Father. And Lord, it's amazing how awesome. It's just so awesome just to be able to meditate on that. And Lord, thank you as well <coughs> for the wonderful future hope that we have in terms of salvation. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Help us, Lord, give us eternal eyes. Lord, help us realize how temporary all this is down here, that this is not our home if we're a Christian. Lord, let that sink in. <coughs> Someone us. Many of us seem to want to act like this is still our home, investing most of our time in the temporary. <clears throat> Instead, Lord, help us give us eternal lives and focus on that which is eternal, that which matters for eternity. Help us to look forward to that day when we go to our true home. Oh, Lord, and how that will give us joy and give us peace, give us that, that, that steadfastness to keep moving in the right direction, to keep us following you closely. Oh, Lord, help us in this. Thank you for what awaits us in Christ Jesus, the glory of heaven, being with you in your presence is fullness of joy. That's where we'll be forever and ever and ever. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful hope we have in you, the hope of salvation. We thank you and praise you. What an awesome God you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing the invitation, if you never have trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe you're not sure if you have. Settle that today. I'll be right down front. I'll help you in that. It may be today you just need prayer for yourself, for others. Maybe that one that you're praying for, that who's your one, that person who's not saved. Maybe you haven't been as good on that as you should. Maybe you want to come to the altar, pray for that person. Maybe you need prayer for yourself or others. Again, I'll be here. The altar is open as well. But as we sing as the Lord leads, I invite you to come.